This week on Real Relatables, Now We Know. A lot of the decisions that are being made are by men. Even me speaking is kind of like, I'm never going to experience this option. So sure. But you as an adoptee, that's where your perspective is so interesting, especially having grown up in, in Catholic school. What is your view on this? Being someone who was put up for adoption, whether you know the reasons or not, or what, what the thought process was of your biological mother. There was a point in my life where I thought it was weird because people look like their parents um, because I was so, I understood that I was adopted and so I just thought everybody was adopted. I was used as an example of this is this is a great option for anyone who finds himself in a difficult, you know, situation with pregnancy. Adoption just isn't a safe bet and like keeping a baby isn't a safe bet for a lot of people, especially if there are no resources. Like you can't force people to have children that they can't take care of and also force people to turn away from social services because you refuse to put money and resources into social services. There was a time when I did want another child and then divorce happens and I had this almost epiphany. I feel good mentally, I feel good physically, like all of these sorts of things. I'm at a good place and I would much rather blend a family with someone than start over. This is not caring about women or childbearing people whatsoever. This is religious. It's all about patriarchy. It's all about religion and morality. I don't want to say I'm fearful of giving birth again, um, but kind of is because I had to have a C-section. There were some things that I experienced during that that made me question the kind of care that I was given after. I'm not saying that that would be my first choice but I want to have that choice about If there's anything that like scares me the most is not to see my son grow up. Hey y'all, welcome back. I'm Donna Green. And I'm Jonathan Stokes. And this is Now We Know, the monthly podcast where we are unpacking and repacking our Black history as we relate it to the world of today. We're here to learn and grow together as a community with the intention of bringing awareness to better our futures. This episode is coming with a trigger warning for those who have experienced traumatic births, adoption, abortion, and sexual assault. Jonathan and I are getting together on this episode um, in light of the recent Texas abortion ban, which is kind of, uh, once again, you know, everything kind of floods social media and news articles and all the things. And so frankly, this is going to be maybe a little bit similar, but we're going to dive into it deeper. It comes as no surprise, but it still is making me slap my forehead. You know, it's like, oh, how do we live here? How do we live here? But you know what? Let's get into it the right way. Mm -hmm. Especially as we want to, um, again, this is where we pack and uh, unpack our black history. And so that's how we're going to relate it back to um, what we typically do with now we know. From NPR.org, um, this is a little bit more uh, more in detail about the abortion ban, and then we'll get into um, the history of abortion. So anyone who successfully sues an abortion provider under this law could be awarded at least $10,000. And to prepare for that, Texas Right to Life has set up what is called a whistleblower website where people can submit anonymous tips about anyone they believe to be violating the law. Quote, these laws are not against the women, says John Sega with Texas Right to Life. 
the lawsuits would be against the individuals making money off the abortion, the abortion industry itself. So this is not to spy on your neighbor and see if they are, if they're having an abortion, end quote. In a federal lawsuit challenging this, a coalition of abortion providers and reproductive rights groups and uh, said the law, quote, places a bounty on people who provide or aid abortions, inviting random strangers to sue them, end quote. And just like anything else, you know, in my mind, people are going to find a way, whether that be they go to another state or they unfortunately go an unsafe route for abortion, um, whatever that may be. Of course, with the federal government and Roe v. Wade, they're looking to, you know, the Justice Department is looking to essentially overturn that because um, Roe v. Wade federally allows abortions up to a certain point. So for me, as a woman who has, you know, been pregnant and I had a, a good first pregnancy, um, not every pregnancy this is the same, and I want to be able to make choices for my own body. That's why this is important to me. And that's an interesting as well, you know, Jonathan, from your perspective as someone who has been adopted, and maybe also from the perspective of um, a same-sex couple who might look to adopt for future, because this argument comes up in the realm of abortion. So how does this relate to our Black history? Let's go back a little bit. So Jonathan, you shared this awesome article from ACLU.org um, titled Racial Justice, or excuse me, titled The Racist History of Abortion and Midwifery Bans. There's a little piece that I wanted to read for everyone as well, and then let's just kind of dive into our discussion here. So again, from ACLU.org, today as people debate whether anti-abortion platforms benefit Black women, the clear answer is no. The U.S. leads the developed world in maternal and infant mortality. And I know I've talked about this on the real relatable segment of or portion of the podcast as well. Um, but the U.S. ranks around 50th in the world for maternal safety. Nationally, for Black women, the maternal death rate is nearly four times out of white women and 10 to 17 times worse in some states. Prior to, to the Civil War, abortion and contraceptives were, were legal in the U.S., used by indigenous women as well as those who sailed from these lands from Europe. For the most part, the persons who perform, performed all manner of reproductive health care were women, female midwives. Midwifery was interracial. Half of the women who provided reproductive health care were Black women. Other midwives were indigenous and white. And as we saw... Um, over time that there were more white men starting to get involved into this, a lot changed. Of course. If that was a big mouthful. Sorry. No. <laughs> but I think we need to get it all out there to just kind of set the precedence of where we're I at. I think so too. And um, I was reading it as we began this recording and started talking. And again, it kind of doesn't come as much as a surprise uh, that the reason why certain laws, actual governing <laughs> governing things such as laws that can pe have people in jail or prison, whatever, um, came from white men feeling like they didn't have a chance to be great, <laughs> like came from uh, kind of usurping a, an industry that in my mind sh should belong to people who have also experienced what's going on. You know, there are certain things, I have a friend that just gave birth and I could read as many books as possible, but if you're having some man who has been educated about something versus these women who have had several children and then helped give, you know, a safe, healthy home birth to many more children, 
um, I think I'm going to go with the latter option. <laughs> just, right. The whole industry is turned on their heads to the point where I kind of don't even think about midwives unless I'm, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And yeah. And even me as someone who has given birth, I didn't really get introduced to what a midwife or even like doulas and all of these like birthing people, um, assistance was until well after probably, I don't know, maybe a year or so after giving birth, I didn't, I didn't really know about it. And then come to find out that was really like your standard practice before is having that support, um, and having people around you in, in order to do so. But then like this article says, um, it says, however, in the wake of slave, in the wake of slavery's end, skilled black midwives represented both real competition for white men who sought to enter the practice of child delivery and a threat to how obstetricians viewed themselves. Male gynecologists claimed midwifery was a degrading means of care. They viewed themselves as elite members of trained profession um, of a trained profession with tools such as forceps and other technologies and the modern convenience of hospitals, which excluded black and indigenous women from practice within their institutions. History would later reveal that it was literally on the backs of Black women's bodies that such tools were developed. Dr. Marion Sims famously wrote about his insomniac-induced epiphanies that stirred him to experiment on enslaved Black women, lacerating, suturing, and cutting, providing no anesthesia or pain relief. Only recently have the terrors that Black women endured through non-consensual experimentation by by gynecologists of the 19th and 20th centuries have been acknowledged. That's insane. And I know like we've talked a lot more recently about um, how, how our bodies have been experimented on. You kind of see that in, so, you know, the distrust of even the COVID vaccine, um, you know, as a black community and the different experiments that were done on us, yeah. um, you know, decades ago, um, within the last hundred years, even, um, and some a little bit longer, but that's part of why there is a lot of distrust. Right? Yeah. And I, but we also have to, when we're looking at abortion, um, or actually, I think a lot of distrust also comes from other, other um, organizations, uh, which are mm -hmm. largely religious. And yeah. I think that when we're looking at the laws that were made in America or the things that we've been able to let go, um, go forward rather, um, a lot of it's been motivated by religion and a lot yeah. of religion is motivated by um, patriarchy and it just all mm -hmm. rolls into this crazy thing that becomes what we call normal to the point where we right. don't even think about midwives when we talk about giving birth. Like right. absolute manipulation successful manipulation there's another piece of this article i love this aclu article yeah. um but there was a successful smear campaign that we are now seeing the effects mm -hmm. of in 2021 you know and that right. stuff came out in the early 1900s um to right. go into to basically promote hospitals promote these young white doctors that could afford medical school and these you know equipments and this kind of platform to i guess give give safer birth so it's you know it's like a double-edged sword yeah quote-unquote safer sure. it's a double-edged sword because the next piece that people like to go into when they're talking about abortion or giving birth is the safety of mom and baby mm -hmm. and allegedly 
like, I actually don't know if this Texas, Texas ban really has much to do about health at all. In fact, it kind of feels to me, and correct me if I'm like understanding something wrong, but it kind of feels to me that what they figured out is that they can give power to vigilantes for lack of a better word right to uh harass people who are undergoing some sort of abortion uh, abortion um right and it's this in this way Mm -hmm. is to the providers Mm -hmm. but even still while they say it's not to the person who's getting the abortion but where are they going to go yeah it's like it's just like anything else that's let's say outlawed what if something is outlawed in your state or in your area what do you do you go to the neighboring state where it's legal people do that for marijuana Mm -hmm. people do that for guns Mm -hmm. people clearly are doing that for abortions Mm -hmm. now you know if they don't have a choice people do that for a whole slew of things and so essentially what that's creating is just an unhealthy way of doing so if they're even going to be able to get into the clinics that are doing them in other states assuming they're not getting full with that and i think it's important to to talk about it you can't even say why you can't get into all of the reasons of why someone would choose abortion right right it's not it's not it's first of all it's no one's business i found myself getting into a trying to correct someone not even correct maybe reason with someone who, um, you know, again, this is all over social media. So on Facebook, there's a um, Facebook friend of mine uh, who posted in this way where it's like, I'm not just pro-choice. I'm like, listening. they were listing names. So I'm pro-Emily, I'm pro-Catherine, I'm pro, you know, Jolene, et cetera. And listing various reasons as to why they might need an abortion. And again, this can range. Like there's so many different reasons as to why people do. Yeah. That could be maybe they don't have the money to be able to raise another child or any child. Maybe they're not mentally at the right place. Maybe um, I know you know people will bring up rape as like the first sort of thing, and statistically, you see that there aren't. I don't know how like exactly they can find this out, but um, there are few abortions that are attributed to a rape case versus other reasons right like it's not as plentiful but it's still that does not make it invalid right i just want to say that like both of those can still happen um and like for me like i had again my first pregnancy was great uh, with my son um there was a time when i did want another child when i was still with my now ex-husband but i wanted another child i wanted great to have a sibling to grow up with and then divorce happens and you move on and you date a little bit and figure out who you are and like what you want to do with your life. And here, four years later, uh, probably took me about three to really feel like myself again, like two and a half or three for me to get back to who I know myself to be or kind of rediscover myself postpartum. Um, and especially with divorce, like I don't want more kids. Yeah. And so Like when I started dating again, months and months ago, I was like, I had this almost epiphany. I don't want more kids for a couple different reasons. This is weird, but having multiple fathers feels weird to me. 
Um, I don't know why, but that just doesn't sit right with me. But then also having my body back, uh, which is maybe vain, but I feel good mentally. I feel good physically, like all of these sorts of things. I'm at a good place. And I would much rather blend a family with someone um, than start over. Yeah. Uh, So it's, it's such, it's weird to say, but like, I'm not saying that that would be my first choice, but I want to have that choice if I need it. Yeah. And I, Again, to the reason. And it's not to say people are getting pregnant willy nilly and like doing, (laughs) there are some people like that's not untrue, but there are a lot of people like shit happens. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of ways that people end up with child or with a pregnancy. We won't even say with child, but there's also that, that many reasons why people might want to terminate and they should. I think that they should be able to terminate. Um, yeah. I kind of want to rewind um, to the idea of abortion in the case of rape, because that's where everybody wants to go with this. Yeah. We also have to keep in mind that we do live in a society where the statistics are not going to be in favor of the truth, because we live in a society right. where people are encouraged to not report rape. So we right. don't even know how many children right. were born of sexual assault and we don't know how many abortions are happening because of sexual assault and i know it sounds right. like quote unquote the worst thing ever but when you look at the laws it's not showing how we're feeling as a community because people aren't allowing victims to come up and actually be believed and actually pursuing cases like right we, we don't this is not about caring about victims is not caring about women or childbearing people whatsoever. This is religious. This is this yeah. is not even, it's not scientific. It's not even scientific that midwives aren't performing most of births in the US. It's all about patriarchy. It's all about religion and morality, for instance. You know, right. uh, when Roe v. Wade came into play, like abortion was just legal, um, but abortion was legal if, a life was threatened, you know? And so that was a good hook for people to hang on to like, okay, your life wasn't threatened. Well, then you're X, Y, Z, the third name, 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 and you can't have your abortion. Well, then after Roe v. Wade, um, it broke down to the trimester. So if you had an abortion within the first trimester, totally up to the mother, totally their choice, they can figure that out. Second trimester, then the, the government could regulate how these things are done, um, but they couldn't ban it. So it could still happen. And then mm-hmm. when it came to the third trimester, then they could prohibit third trimester um, abortions. But again, like if I can't get weed from, you know, whatever state, right. state, I can just cross the border. And so that happens or people take it into their own hands, of course. Right. And I do, I do understand sentiment at, I mean, your second trimester, your third trimester, that's kind of far along. Um, And I'm not saying that with judgment. I'm just saying that of like, it is understandable for people to be maybe more upset or have more of that um, sort of disdain, I guess, for it at that point, because it is far along. Um, You know, when I was pregnant with my son, um, I had the app and I would like, you know, see how far along I am um, versus like what is growing. Mm -hmm. 
at that point. And there's so much that develops, obviously, week by week. But, you know, in your second and third trimester, there's a lot that's happening. Um, so I won't, I don't know, I, to an extent, I can agree that that's it, at first earshot. It doesn't sound great if someone is wanting to end their pregnancy via abortion at that point. Right. Um, but there's so many reasons why they would need to also, right. or they might need to, um, that could be medical right. that could be, um, whether for themselves or for, um, the unborn child, yeah. right. Or even like another reason why I, I don't want to say I'm fearful of giving birth again. Um, but kind of is because I had to have a C-section, mm. which is a massive abdominal surgery basically to have your child. And there were some things that I experienced during that, that made me question the kind of care that I was given after. Um, and so from the health perspective of how I'm being cared for to the having another massive surgery like that, possibly, um, that's scary. And again, I've talked about this on real relatable podcast um, piece of this with like Dr. Karen Ashby um, and the black maternal health crisis that we have here. Um, if you look at episodes back, but I go into more detail, you know, in those episodes, but the, those are real concerns and it's not unfounded from even like the statistics, but also from my own lived experience on what that could be like. And if there's anything that like scares me the most is not to see my son grow up. Mm. So mm. having another child, if that might take me out, whether that be from getting, you know, poor care or maybe not healing well again, especially, you know, I'm in, I'm 30 now and that's still kind of young, but who, you know, as you get older as a woman, they start thinking of you of, as having like a geriatric pregnancy when you're like 34, 35 which is still kind of young would seem like, but your body is doing so many different things. Like you might not have the same response. So um, for me, I just would want to know that that's an option. Um, not to say that it's first choice, but that would, you know, it, and it can't be easy. It's not, you know, something that's just like, well, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Okay. I'm going to go, you know, get an abortion today. Like that's normal. Like there's like the amount of mental capacity that you would have to go through to even consider what your options are or even considering that it's a lot that's a lot <laughs> that's Sorry. no don't i get all worked up about like <laughs> like the mama and me's coming out the do way. not apologize uh, this is exactly yeah. what i think needs to be heard and shared and a mm. lot of the decisions that are being made are by men even me speaking is kind of like I'm never going to experience this option so sure but you as an adoptee that's where your perspective is so interesting especially having grown up in you know um and gone to school in in Catholic yeah. school like yeah. that's I wonder I am curious about that like what is your perspective or your view on this sure being someone who was put up for adoption whether you know the reasons or not or what you know 
what the thought process was of your biological mother. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy to share. Um, there was a point in my life where I thought it was weird if people looked like their parents um, because I was so, <laughs> I understood that I was adopted. And so I just thought everybody was adopted. So it was never, oh, wow. I didn't have that um, painful revelation um, that a mm-hmm. lot of people have because of whatever society. Um, yeah. But I did go to Catholic school. So of course, pro-life ideals were drilled into my brain. Um, yeah. And not in a way that I was ever anti-pro-choice, if that makes sense. It was just that yeah. I'm pro-life because that's all I know. That's all they teach me. And that's right. all I hear and have the baby. And I was telling you a little bit before, um, I was often used as a an example because this unit would be covered I guess maybe starting in fourth, fifth grade, um, talking mm. about being pro-life and that people sometimes, quote unquote, will say kill babies. Um, yeah, that's such yeah. that's <laughs> dangerous language. But yes. go ahead. And so I remember, I wish I, I wish I had the exact verbiage, but I do remember having a list or like <laughs> charts of, of, rebuttals to have against pro-life mm. people in in our um, wow. textbooks or workbooks whichever one and a lot of them were like well why don't you put the baby up for adoption and send them to a loving home and it's like that's great except for the second that the baby turns three the baby's there until they're 18 and then it's just an mm. adult and then they're in the way because they're yeah. homeless because they don't have any protection from the uh, foster care system in America, because you don't care about that either. Like you can't force people to have children that they can't take care of and also force people to turn away from social services because you refuse to put money and resources into social services. It's like you, if you're concerned about killing babies, I guess you are not concerned about killing adults and you're just waiting for them to become an adult to kill. Anyway, I was used as an example of, this is this is a great option for anyone who finds himself in a difficult, you know, situation with pregnancy, um, which is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and what what people are failing to realize is that, um, and I I looked this up as well. You're there is a greater chance of you dying from childbirth as a woman than from getting an abortion hell there are people well friends of mine who could have possibly died just from being pregnant not even giving birth not yeah, even getting that yeah. far so yeah it's just dark because you have there's like preeclampsia there are all there's so many things that can come with being pregnant you know and um the other side of that is like people are like oh just give the do adoption choose adoption okay so who's gonna be there for me Let's just, let's just, I'm just going to put myself in this position, right? So I get pregnant. I decide I'm going to choose adoption. I don't know how the process works in time in terms of, you know, picking parents that would raise a child, et cetera. But I know I couldn't, I could not have a biological child of mine walking this earth and not know them. That is not, I, I could not. Um, and so many people that, that would not. No, I absolutely could not. That would that would tear me yeah. apart um, more than and not to yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Um, but 
So if I have to have another C-section, which, you know, a VBAC, it's a vaginal birth after C-section or after cesarean, um, that's not always possible after you have a, a cesarean. You can't always have a vaginal birth after. And a lot of times, um, it turns out the way that my pelvis is shaped, I cannot, or I probably would not be able to, you know, push a baby out anyway. So I'm going to have to have another a cesarean, another C-section, right? So I give my baby up for adoption. And what about the milk that comes in? What about, you know, this scar Then not even the scar, this wound that's going to take time to heal uh, my body. Like, again, your, your body goes through so much when you're pregnant and the hormones and, you know, everything expands and it just, it is a lot to go through and then to maybe get back from that. And it's not, it's not the vain sort of how I look. It's how I feel. Yeah. Your insides are all torn. It up. took me. Yeah. It took me over two years, maybe even three years to really get back to feeling like myself or feeling more like confident and good about myself. And there are some women, there are many women, I should say that go through postpartum depression. So with that on the table and you give your baby up for adoption, it's not for everyone. What about that? <laughs> it's yeah. Not for and I, and it's, it's weird to say too, because although there are, so there are several, you know, so many couples that are looking to adopt, right? There's so many people, kids, there's so many kids in foster care waiting to be adopted. What the holdup is there? I read briefly, like there's a lot for the people who are looking to adopt and then the kids that are looking to be adopted, just like you mentioned, they might be too old. Mm -hmm. And they're too old so, so they, fast. And they develop behavioral yeah. issues that it takes a special person to, to, yeah, to take, take that on. on. Yeah. And like my adoption, what is, is somewhat cookie cutter, which is why it makes a great example for a middle-aged religion um. teacher. Um, <laughs> like my mom was, my adopted mom was 40 when she adopted me. Um, I was three mm. months when I was taken on by um. her. She's a social worker. And so I was a foster child. So I was fostered to adoption just in my social worker's house. Um, yeah. which was like that was a really fast situation um right but it's also that my birth mother was 14 years old had zero resources oh wow like could not take yeah. care of the kid it was just kind of bang bang boom obvious and I think yeah um that the pregnancy was detected late uh so I don't even mm. know if abortion was truly an option it definitely yeah. wouldn't have been now because six weeks like I've I, what, do you remember being six weeks pregnant? I do. Yeah. Because I'm fortunate enough to know my cycle, like clockwork and, uh, not all women have that. Uh, so my cycle it's cause everyone wants to know is usually between like 25 ish to like 27 days. They typically go off of a four week, 28 day. Um, but mine is typically right around like 25 to 27. Um, I know the feeling of when I'm at like the peak of when I'm ovulating and I'm, when I'm most fertile, I know what that feels like. I know, um, that about week before the, my breasts start to hurt or, um, I'm starting to get like a little bit more triggered with certain things and I'll get irritated. I'm like, why am I getting so irritated? Um, but then I catch myself and I'm like, oh, it's because my cycle is going to start. 
Um, then a couple of days before it's like, I get, um, I notice even more intense sort of, uh, emotions, if you will. And then my breasts stop hurting. And then within a day or two, my cycle starts. Right. So for me, I know exactly what my body's doing. Um, when most of the time anyway, or at least I can like pinpoint it if I need it to. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when I found out I was pregnant with gray, I, I suspected because I wasn't, my cycle wasn't starting, but I was getting some cramping as if it were about to. Um, and usually when I have that cramping, it's immediate. And so when I was having some cramping, but not seeing anything, I was like, okay, well, that's weird, but I might actually be pregnant. And so then finally got a test and took it and it turned out it was positive. And so I was like, three minutes pregnant at that point. I mean, it was just so early, yeah. but that's just because I know my body so well. Um, then I know what my, what should have been happening at that point. And then I could pin back like, okay, well, you know, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago in Cancun, <laughs> a wedding, like that's where it this happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's in that way, that's how I can pinpoint it. But yeah. again, not everyone has that, you know, uh, sort of, I don't know. I don't want to say awareness because it's you either awareness or they're frankly, they could just be super irregular yeah. and you just don't know. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, in my case, I did know super early, so early so that I, there was no heartbeat when I got my first ultrasound because it was just too early. I was like not even five weeks. Yeah. And so when I went back the following week, that's when there was a heartbeat. And now the law in texas is that once there's a heartbeat detected or it can be is it that it is detected by an ultrasound or is it that it could be detected by an ultrasound um i think it would have to could be so by that because time, usually it's usually quote unquote around six weeks but here's the thing too so there's a point of like the way that the way that pregnancy is measured is based upon your last menstrual cycle. Mm. So for example, just for easy um, dates, let's say my cycle started on September 1st and my cycle should start, we're going to go with the 28 days. It should start by September 28th or 29th. So if at that point um, I take a test and I'm pregnant, they consider me four weeks pregnant. Although realistically I wouldn't have gotten wouldn't have had intercourse and gotten pregnant literally until about two weeks in between there. So around September 14th, mm. does that make sense? But they're, they're counting when you're pregnant based upon the start of your last period. So, um, you would be four weeks quote unquote, but really it's like, it's like a week because of the time that the sperm, um, you know, goes into the egg and then it goes down the fallopian tube typically, and then gets into your uterus and the pain that you might feel around the start of your cycle, or like the cramping that I felt when I was pregnant with gray, that was the implantation. Mm -hmm. So I could have been pregnant for a week, two weeks or so. Um, and then the egg finally implanted into my uterus. And that was part of the pain that I was feeling. And it, it what's and so you have two weeks from then to figure it out. <laughs> like yeah. essentially is what the rest saying. of yeah. potentially your life has to be made. Right. And then I just think about my birth mom, of course, and imagine having that two week decision to make when you're 14. 
and like not right. even really understanding your body and not knowing what when cues. you're 14 you're hardly she probably only had a year of having a period before if, she got right, pregnant right right so she probably wouldn't have been able to pinpoint not me again i'm 30 16 years ago i did i could not pinpoint my cycle in that way now it makes sense to me yeah but i could not pinpoint my cycle in that way 16 years ago and i it's just such a big decision and i don't know how i ended up or how my birth mom um ended up going towards adoption it was probably by mm -hmm. suggestion of a social worker because of how far along she was when conversations started happening you know or social service became available to to her by the time it was like too late to easily terminate the pregnancy but I don't know if if everyone gets that kind of opportunity I think it is it's right. a special case I do think that some of these cases are special and so like adoption just isn't a safe bet and like keeping a baby isn't a safe bet for a lot of people especially if there are right. no resources right and it's it's interesting too because I'm so glad that you're here obviously yeah, I'm glad that I'm here I, yeah but at the same time I could not blame a 14 year old girl for terminating right. a pregnancy because she's a 14 year old girl and we can't blame and you would her. never know though yeah like no, no one would that you we, no one would ever know no. and it's that's kind of weird to think too that that could maybe that could have been an option for her let's say yeah. but obviously again I'm so glad that you're here you're glad that you're here um but at that time that might have been what was best for right. her um or anyone else, possibly. It could have also been a religious thing, you know? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. We do have, yeah. we have an open adoption. Sorry, this is going into oh, adoption so you... world. No, um, this is good. Have you met? We have met. Uh, I have not oh, okay. seen her in a decade, though. We, I remember the oh, last okay. time we met, um, I just felt weird because it's open, but we're not close. Um, yeah. Like, I'm not close to my biological family. My mom keeps in touch as best as possible um and will periodically like let me know how things are going and all that kind of stuff but for me the adopted kid um since there was no relationship it's like I don't really want to show up I'm a lot I'm a lot to take in especially if you like <laughs> have expectations like this is it, it's just a lot going on um yeah do you have siblings I do I have half siblings oh. um okay my younger sibling I want to say is like four years younger than me or five years younger mm -hmm. than me um and then I have other half siblings which by yeah. way of the internet I have I, I saw their google plus <laughs> profiles you know um, oh, man. Yeah. which is a very interesting thing we can talk adoption maybe in a different episode for sure um but anyway just all these there are so many reasons why I think people are guided away from making the healthiest choice for themselves, especially mm -hmm. people who are in one of the most vulnerable positions that they may experience mm -hmm. in their life. And it just breaks my heart that men and religion are controlling those. Cause like even me having an opinion about this is kind of, it feels, I feel guilty about having an opinion mm -hmm. for something that I could never even remotely experience like I could I guess I could if we were adopting a kid and the mother decides to go a different way um but yeah again that's that's like one of those situations that 
would have to play out and then we'd have to see how we feel yeah um, it's just and texas is making me scared mostly because of the bounty there are other states that well there are other states that also follow suit oh, they're going hard the you red know? states yeah like i mean again i live in idaho i i'm honestly wouldn't be totally shocked if this may come to the table um in a legislative session or whatever like i could I could possibly see that happening. So I wouldn't be shocked, but it might, it would probably be disappointing. And to think of like all the people who were pregnant and were looking to end their pregnancy with an abortion a week ago, you know, a week and a half or so ago. Right. And then being like, oh my gosh, like I, you have clinics that stop doing the procedures or giving them medication. Um, so then you need to go somewhere else and that, like, that was your plan, you know? And, and then at this point, maybe that's pushing you into too far along into oh the pregnancy and like to be able to, you know, perf- have that procedure. And what if you're trying to do this at the most low key levels, because you don't have a family that could support you in this. Right. Now you have to figure out how to gather the resources to cross state lines, possibly to right. go to stay in a motel, to have a simple medical procedure that should be able to happen as close to your home as possible, no matter where you are. Now you're just yeah. you're clicking into all the reasons why that kid that will be born because y'all don't want people having abortions unless it's your mistress y'all don't want people to (laughs) (laughs) y'all don't want people abortions for whatever their reasons are the reasons that you will never be affected by because jesus told you so and your constituents need to see you go hard on abortion so you can get voted in but it's all it's so important like what you even part of the other branch of what you just said outside of you know it's someone's mistress but they're married couples that have abortions (laughs) like it's not just people who are so you know irresponsible that they end up pregnant people use condoms to get pregnant people use um all sorts of contraceptives to or not all sorts but they use condoms to prevent pregnancy and still get pregnant thank you for bringing that up you know birth control um that fails we know that vasectomies those aren't 100 percent I have friends um, who are married for years and they ended up getting pregnant and it wasn't a good time for mm, various reasons, for what their reasons are, you know, for, right, for her right. body and her choice. Right. Like it doesn't right. matter how the rest of anyone feels about it. It should just, I think, <laughs> I, the man, think that mm. <laughs> the options should be available. That's it. Yeah. What option people make is up to them. You're not, you're, it's, it's, I get, but if, so what's interesting too, is that I feel like a lot of those super religious people also don't believe in birth control, like in terms of women taking the pill, that shouldn't be, you know, of access to you because it's God's will that if you get pregnant, when you get pregnant. Right. Um, But what about, you know, if there's been a lot of, sort of chatter about this what if we mandated vasectomies okay look that would be lovely i think for a lot of people and for a lot of reasons 
Well, I don't agree with it. I don't agree that we should uh, do that for anybody. But if it were, if it just were flipped in that way, like nobody, (laughs) nobody would be talking about this. This would not be like a ban on vasectomies. Like, you know, like that wouldn't even be an option. But if we are taking things away, we should take it all away because it doesn't actually just spontaneous babies don't spontaneously start growing as if they're fungi inside of right. people's bodies like <laughs> this took more than one to tango okay right sometimes three <laughs> you know <laughs> um, it's just it's just like to take away people's options and to put this $10,000 reward on the head of a person or persons who are even aiding and abetting someone who is trying to um, terminate a pregnancy, like about Mm -hmm. a $10,000 bounty. Like you don't care about people. You don't care about safety in life because if you did, you'd have mass mandates. Like you don't give a fuck. So I loved the, um, what was it? It There was some meme that was like, this is getting into COVID just briefly, but um, they were like, oh, Pfizer also makes Viagra, so you should go get the COVID shot. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Anyway, <laughs> um, but, what, <laughs> but what I really was thinking about too was um, how, you know, we talk about coercion and people who do that religiously. And so my dogs, like if I go out of town, I go to Camp Bow Wow. And the one that I go to is right next to this Planned Parenthood. And every time I drop the dogs off or pick them up, you always see people out there with signs or anytime I pass a Planned Parenthood, there are people out there with signs that are like, it's like, mommy, please don't kill me. And they've got like a two fully to term fetus <laughs> like yeah. ultra not ultrasound but picture yeah. on this you know on this poster mm-hmm. or um just different different things um that it says on there and I'm just, and they're just like not marching but they're standing there with it and they've got you know their signs up and I'm like who would want to walk into one of those facilities like again it can't be an easy decision but then on top of that, you're going to have these people standing outside of the facility to greet you, if you will, um, with their signs. I don't think they're probably not allowed on, you know, property yeah. lines, but they're close enough where you can totally see them. Yeah. And it's crazy to me. It is crazy. Like it's, <laughs> it's disgusting um, how much be up in your business. Yeah. I have something to add about that. It's not something Uh-oh. I'm proud of, uh, but let's just keep in mind, I did go oh. to, are you ready? So <laughs> I don't know. Was this an extracurricular class for <laughs> your Catholic school? All right, here we go. So the other night I was talking, I have a guest that's that's staying with us and we were talking mm-hmm. about things that, um, or ways that our politics have changed over the years and like mm-hmm. yeah, um, how happy we are that we're not the people that we used to be. And Mm -hmm. I went to Catholic school. So when I was a kid, I was very much so in line with the Catholic school teachings. Um, Kind of like towards the end of high school when you're like 17 and Tumblr exists. That that was like a huge (laughs) shift for me. So I think the worst part about this decision that I made was that it was made. um, I was not politically aligned with what I was doing. I was just very selfish. So 
I joined the pro-life club at high school my senior mm-hmm. year. <laughs> like, went through all of high school, not even messing with it, didn't really care. But senior year came along, and there was an opportunity for a free trip to Washington, D.C. if you joined the club. Wow. So I went to D.C. So what did y'all do in D.C.? Yeah, tell okay. us. So first of all, D.C. was lovely. It was lovely, clean streets. Just want to <laughs> say I went there for the trip and the experience of a free flight and a free hotel, right? Let's just keep that clear. You don't have to justify this. People oh, change. People evolved. It's I, do you don't, I don't think you should feel like you have to justify 18-year-old this. 18-year-old Jonathan is standing over my shoulder holding up his Obama hot sauces and whatnot, <laughs> like being oh like, I God. went. But the reason that we went pro-life club was to go to the march on washington which is a (gasps) pro-life anti-roe v wade march listeners i (laughs) wait for the historic march on washington yeah so so every year they have a thing and i don't know what it's called maybe it's called pro-life Okay, so they're not okay. This is different than like the civil rights no, no, that's way march on Washington. Because I was like, oh my gosh, like no, 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 wait no, a minute. Okay, okay, sorry about no. that, y'all. Okay, they were not talking about the same march on Washington. Go so, ahead. I forget it. It's um maybe the day that um that Roe v. Wade was put into place. There's like a yay Roe v. Wade, and then there's the Christian mm. anti one. When I tell mm. you I was surrounded by in like absolute insane things and people I'd never seen mental illness on display in this way. Um, there were huge posters, you know, those pictures that they hand out outside of the clinics when they're harassing the pregnant people uh, or yeah. the people who are trying to even just get an STD test because they don't know. Right. They don't even know. Because Planned Parenthood does so much more than just abortion that's where i go to get turns out they also do vasectomies look right they'll do women's health men's health everything everything in between so they at this march had gigantic photographs blown up photographs which some of them i thought might be fake of like Mm. full babies like you know like born babies covered in blood and trash cans like that's what they were doing. And I was 18. It wasn't a lot of 18 year olds. It was like 15, 14, sometimes younger. And it was wow. just, it was just one of the darkest things I've ever experienced. It also was like a week or two after the inauguration, which was my first time voting. Mm. And I was like, this is the only way I'm going to get to DC. Um, was that the turning point for you? Or was that a turning point for you with uh, like just seeing how gruesome that was? I mean, I had turned before, to be honest, like I was Mm. totally pro-choice. I was just being, I just wanted a free trip and I wanted to go get my Obama. (laughs) I just wanted to get Obama merch and like see, because it was my first time voting and it was the the black president. You know what I mean? Like it was a, it was more than pro-life, but the pro-life portion of it really opened my eyes to how dangerous believing what I had learned for the past, you know, 12 years could become. Like I could totally have become those adults who are making little kids like (laughs) hold up these gruesome signs and, and say these nasty things to the, to the counter protest. And it was just, it was just the worst thing. It's everything that you think it is. And those people are every person that you think they are um you saw january 6th it was very Mm -hmm. bad but with kids 
and mm. it was <sighs> and I'm glad I had that experience because it puts me in the mindset of of the people who are putting these laws in action and the people who are going to be searching for their $10,000 bounty they're insane yeah. and they, they they are insane yeah but the thing you know people are going to do 1, it thousand percent they're going to be lying so that they can get their ten thousand dollars they're going to be drudging up secrets they're going to be turning on each other they're going to be dressing up and infiltrating healthcare facilities just for the off chance that they might be able to earn ten thousand dollars in the name of the lord or the law you know what's interesting Hmm. that they raise $10,000 per person that might turn in a provider. But I'd just be curious to know the dollar amount or time spent for, you know, the foster care or the adoption system that we have in the U.S. For the kids who have been bored because they didn't have the yeah. yeah. or no one to take care you of know, them. services for them. I... You know, and it's not to say that they don't, but like, are you going as hard for that as you are for this? No. You, like that would seem like that would have to somehow be equal in my, ex- to some degree, in my experience with those people. It's a very, it's a single issue. It's a singular mm-hmm. issue and the causes and the yeah. effects are not in the thought pattern. It's all about these are babies and babies giggle and they smile and you're killing babies. And how could you? And also, how could you shrink the parish? We need people in the parish to preach the word like it's real. Like, and I keep bringing it back to religion because I do think that our religiously motivated ideals that are seeped into Mm -hmm. conservative politics that have now resulted yeah. in um, basically making abortion legal because- And although there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, oh, please. Oh, please. this is not We're it. We're the nation under God. Oh, right, <laughs> we, right, we don't have exactly. It's, it's just, so anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling, but my experience in DC, no, my observation of these people outside of Planned Parenthoods, um, honestly, I'm- this came out what like a week or two ago and I have tried to avoid any media this is such bad media etiquette but I've tried to avoid any media that was not kind of agreeing with ideas that I came to the table with just because of the mental drain that that gives me the way that people justify hating women or hating childbearing people in any way yeah and it's just like you're sitting there on panels under lighting justifying your hatred for these people and then denying social services to have these people succeed it's it's draining it's absolutely draining um and you know at the end of the day social media is social media right um the way that we curate our feeds or, or, you know, from people that you follow or people you're friends with or whatever, um, that is, it's, it's kind of a space for you. And can it become an echo chamber if you kind of weed out all other people? Yeah. But I think there's some topics that 
I don't know, <laughs> that you might want to have some people around you that you're in line with. Like if it's a forum on whether like the toilet paper goes over or under, like <laughs> whatever, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Um, but it, when it comes to the human rights issues in all of those different facets, that's where I think lines are drawn. Yeah. Um, and even as me being someone who does like to at least understand a bit of everything, um, or all sides, if you yeah, will. Usually, um, usually that's the way to go. Yeah, but this isn't it. No, it's. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's not like to to a degree. There's no, there's no legitimate reason why someone shouldn't have a choice with their own body. Right. Absolutely. And that's all. Like, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. no way that you're gonna convince me that someone shouldn't have a choice. And I don't care about the outstanding cases. There are some legal cases out right now that are challenging, um, not challenging ideals, but they are supporting the enemies. <laughs> That's an awful mm. way to think, but uh, they're supporting their their nasty way of thinking. And those offshoot cases are painful to, to look into, but this birth, stuff that happens every day, we're now turning people who are choosing to terminate a pregnancy into criminals. And it just, it's just heartbreaking. And especially as a black woman, you're either damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, imagine my mom, 14 year old with a baby on her hip. What, then what? Right. But also when that 14 year old goes into the hospital to have that baby, how is she treated? How is she even looked at? Like, what are the chance? What are the chances of right. of a good life? Let's really look at the numbers here. Like, let's really look mm-hmm. into why people do choose what they choose, and like, you do- it doesn't have to even make sense to you. Right. But understand that there are a lot of different reasons why, and it's not just that they were assaulted. <laughs> you know, right. that's right. I hate that people go there. First. Right. Like, it's not that I don't know. Uh, this is a heavy one Jonathan heavy I have so many I know I'm not gonna get I know I mean (laughs) I I think we could go on and like different avenues of this um and I'm sure the listeners have different thoughts too Mm -hmm. they might even disagree um with half or all or quarter whatever or most of it but um at the end of the day, just leave us women alone just let us be let them do what they gotta do just leave it Just exactly leave it. yeah well it's good to see you jonathan <laughs> um we need to do something that's uplifting i, I know like. oh my god <laughs> let's do like a raven yeah. simone retrospective or something oh my gosh oh that would be fun like a 90s or early 2000s like sitcoms or yes. i, I uh, want to hear about you know teen, black teen sensations throughout time i I, I like yes. it. I think that sounds good. <laughs> from Frankie Lyman, from Frankie Lyman to Lil Nas X. Oh, right. right. Well, <laughs> Lil Nas X is like breaking the internet, but <laughs> it's funny. We appreciate y'all joining us every month for Now We Know. If you like what you hear, it would be great if you could leave a review and make sure you're subscribed to Real Relatable wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram at Donna Janine or the podcast at Real Relatable Podcast. And Jonathan, we will see you next month. Yeah, see you next month. (laughs) See ya.